in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Just coming from one of my many media appearances for the new book. It's out right now, Justice for All by Greg Kelly. How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available wherever books are sold. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is it. The pressure is on. Got to sell this, baby, and fix America while we're at it. Uh, Many thanks to the publisher, Simon & Schuster, and Threshold Books. Hey, you think it's easy for corporate America to uh, sanction a book these days that says Black Lives Matter is a total fraud, that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a scam? Hmm? Now, they don't... They don't agree with me. They don't disagree with me. What they do, what the publisher does, what they all should do is facilitate the marketplace of ideas, huh? And I thank them so much because, look, this is the kind of stuff that you're not supposed to talk about, especially, especially if you are, what do liberal white guys like to call themselves? Oh, I'm just a white guy. What do I have to say? Well, speak for yourself, okay? It would have been nice if Barack Obama talked about this stuff or at least tried to or pretended to give a damn hmm? about young black lives. Black lives matter, huh? Do they really? Not according to the way you guys have been running the country. And yeah, Barack Obama is still running the country. And it looks like he wants four more years. Do we give Barack Obama four more years? What do you think? So Joe Biden is running for re-election. And there's nobody in the Democrat Party who's uh, doing anything in a serious way to uh, oppose him. And that's kind of, that tells you a lot, actually. That tells me that the game is rigged. That tells me that it's all set up. Look at Joe Biden. He's not capable of being president. He's not capable of being a presidential candidate. He is a walking liability. You never know what the hell he's going to say. He's making mistakes. He's still grabbing people. And he's running the country into a ditch, okay? And he's going to run? He's going to run for re-election. He can't withstand the normal pressures of a presidential campaign. He can't. I don't care about, oh, well, the Rose Garden strategy. Mm, You still have to, I don't know. You still have to go out there and make the case. He can't do that. But he is so protected, and everybody is in on it, okay? The deep state, of course, Democrats, of course, mainstream media, of course. But there are some other, the FBI, it's part of the deep state, big tech, FBI, and the voting systems across the country. Did you notice that he was given the Secretary of State of Michigan a gold medal the other day? He gave election workers from Georgia gold medals. Come to the White House. It was a... It was kind of, you know, Joe, I don't know if you should have done that. All right. There you are. Rewarding the people who were perfectly positioned to help you. What's Joe Biden going to run on? It doesn't matter. He'll run on lies. He'll run on this. uh, You're a racist. You're a white supremacist. Oh, the Republicans are so divided. Who cares? Good. Congratulations to uh, Kevin McCarthy, by the way. Not exactly Mr. MAGA. But you know what? At the end of that week. Let's face it, he showed some toughness. He did. He did. I don't know. I mean, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday. Would you have been able to put up with that in the mainstream media heckling you the whole time? Oh, this is humiliating. It never looked humiliating to me, but I guess it wasn't 
It wasn't ideal. So he's the guy. And good for him. Let's get to work. Although, again, I told you, after the midterms, I wasn't really that blown away. I didn't. I knew it was going to be a bit of a bust. But can he really get away with it? Can Joe Biden run for president, be reelected as president with, um, I would say these are major demerits, right? Losing the war in Afghanistan. Okay. That's on him. Encouraging Russia to invade Ukraine. Hmm? That's, uh, that's on him. No border at all. Zero. Open border. That's on him. Crime out of control. That's on him. His embracing of Black Lives Matter, his embracing of all that crap, that woke agenda, and ripping this country apart. Coming out and saying MAGA is a threat, existential threat. You want to try spelling that bonehead, by the way? I'm sick of that word, existential. Existential. They don't even know how to use it correctly, by the way. It's a threat, existential threat to America. You know what? America is facing a threat to its existence, and it's coming from the left. America is slipping away right now. I watched the fake news yesterday. They're just, I mean, it really is like North Korea. It really is like uh, the old Soviet Union. He reminds me of Leonid Brezhnev. There really is something very similar between him and Le- Leonid Brezhnev. Remember that guy? Long time ago. Um you know, everything was fantastic. We just started a new tractor factory. I don't know if he sounded like that. He never spoke English. He was tight with Nixon, not so much Reagan. He died. Then there were like three rulers in six weeks. And then we bound Gorbachev. America is slipping away. And the people, I used to say, the people get it. Ah, the people, the American people will always make the right decision in the end. Not so sure about that anymore. I really, I don't know. I mean, you, me, right? The heart and soul? And what makes us the heart and soul and not them? hmm? Well, we believe in law and order, we believe in the Constitution, and we believe that you should not sexualize children. Fair enough? Fair enough. And we believe that riots are riots, not peaceful protests. Fair enough? Fair enough. We believe that January 6th was not worse than September 11th, okay? We, we... Those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that is still the heart and soul of America. And these woke left idiots and too many people in, let's say they're in the middle, have been left to their own devices and they pick on, they pick up, uh, you know, stuff here, there and everywhere. Somehow it just seems, uh, well, January 6th. Yeah, Trump really should have. He just watched TV. Oh, no. January 6th, they are election denialism. I guess I might be an election denialist, huh? They've made even asking a question about the election, you know, something that could potentially cancel you or get you in trouble. You can't say that. You'll start a riot. <laughs> okay. If I can't say that, then you can't say police officers are killing um, unarmed black men every single day. You can't say that anymore. Okay. Fair enough. You no, know, you have a problem with that. Well, number one, it's not true. They're not killing unarmed black men every day. Look at the statistics, okay? Hey, you know who's getting killed at a high, more than unarmed black men? Unarmed white people. A lot more. A lot more unarmed white people killed by cops than black people. The numbers are infinitesimal. So 
That's one of the reasons why they're out there saying, say her name. Brianna Taylor, say her name. You got to say the name. Otherwise, it's, you know, I mean, the numbers are so <clears throat> so small. Let's make a big deal out of it. You get it? I got it. You know, the book is uh, dedicated to my father, Ray Kelly. I got a couple of pictures of him in the book. And, uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about, it's, it's just so crazy that a peaceful protest, well, a peaceful protest used to be, you know, I, my dad actually got in a little bit of trouble during the 2004 uh, convention, in, not trouble, trouble, but civil libertarians were coming from all over the place because they set up an area for which the protesters to protest, an area across the street from Madison Square Garden, and please, knock yourselves out. Go for it. Say whatever you want. That's a protest. No, they wanted to shut down streets. They wanted to you know, sit in an intersection, 34th Street and 8th Avenue, and you know, block traffic. That's not a peaceful protest. That affects me. That affects you. That affects emergency services. You can't do that stuff. Right there, that's not peaceful. People think shutting down roadways in the name of... Uh, Anti-violence is is acceptable. It's not. And, of course, it was a lot worse than that. But the fascinating thing and what's different, what's different from, say, the 1965 Watts riots, what's different from the 1967, the long, hot summer, or even the 1992 Rodney King riots, um, everybody understood that rioting was bad that destruction of property and people was a bad thing. But now you have mainstream institutions like the New York Times justifying uh, destruction of property. And by the way, is this 1619 project? This 1619 project is now basically the law of the land, a completely dishonest, warped uh, history that has no, no grounding, none, one of the things in 1619, I, I do this, I talk about this in the book. It's not the thrust of it all, but there's something called, uh, what do we call it again? Um, double entry accounting. Double entry accounting. It's kind of like the standard for accounting. They try to say it was invented by a slave owner in South Carolina in 1790. No, it was invented by some Italian merchant in 1500, okay? Why is that important? Because this form of accounting is still used today. So, like, the very fabric of America is still intertwined with slavery, and this was a way of accounting for slaves in uh, the 18th century, the 19th century. And therefore, you, me, all of it, if you happen to be white, you're the beneficiary of this, uh, of this stuff. It is sick, it is wrong, and it is obviously so. But you have too many people who already have power who just want to keep it who just want to be, and how do you keep it? You say stylish things. You know, it's one thing for Matt, what's his name again? Matthew Dowd. This is the worst guy in the world. Matthew Dowd, Republican strategist who helped get George W. Bush reelected, who helped sell the Iraq war, uh, who helped Arnold Schwarzenegger become governor of California. Now running around the country professionally saying, as a white man, we need, as white men, we need to step back and sit down and listen to others. Wow. Talk about racism. Talk about racism. 
I don't want to be judged based on my color, and neither do you. All right? No matter what color you are, this is real. These diversity, equity, and inclusion offices, hey, thank God we don't have one here yet, right? Phew! (laughs) They're cropping up all over the place. They're going to try to install one in the National Rifle Association. It's, It's really an amazing time. And I feel so free. I hope you do as well. Whether you're working, whether you're retired, um, that you don't have to go along with this corrupt flow. Isn't it a nice place to be? Isn't it? Don't you like not being like everybody else? And don't you like it when the media says you're supposed to get all choked up and you say, no, that's not true. I'm not falling for it. Cut 17, please. Cut 17. January 6th. Give me some words that come to mind. Horror. Dark. Anger. Betrayal. When the dark moments come, how do they manifest? Do you have flashbacks? I never lost sight of those visions that you had, the, the flashbangs, the smoke. Ah, the yes. Calls on the ah, yes, ah, yes, ah, yes, ah, yes. January 6th. Worse than Vietnam, World War II, the Gulf War, and 9-11. All put together. Thanks, Harry. More on that when I come back. Give me a moment, please. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hey, does this sound pretty anti-democratic? Joe Biden will not negotiate with Democrat uh, with Republicans. He will not negotiate with the new House majority. He's not going to do it. That sounds pretty damned anti-democratic, doesn't it? It's uh, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Very strange. Hey, Hakeem Jeffries, he's from Brooklyn, and um, this is going to be ugly with a guy like this in charge. Cut eight, please. Cut eight. Hakeem. We'll always put American values over autocracy, benevolence over bigotry, the Constitution over the cult, democracy over demagogues, economic opportunity over extremism, freedom over over fascism, governing over gaslighting, hopefulness over hatred, inclusion over isolation, justice over judicial overreach, knowledge over kangaroo courts, liberty over limitation, maturity over Mar-a-Lago, normalcy over negativity, opportunity over obstruction, people over politics, Quality of life issues over QAnon, reason over racism, substance over slander, triumph over tyranny, understanding over ugliness, voting rights over voter suppression, working families over the well-connected, xenial over xenophobia, 
Yes, we can. Zenio. You can't do it. And zealous representation over zero sum confrontation. We will always do the right thing. Now, does anybody like uh, bigotry? No. Does anybody like fascism? No. But you see what he's doing. He's saying this and he's looking at Republicans. He's saying, Republicans, you are all these things. You are the bigots. You are the fascists. You are the xenophobes. What is he talking about, though, with the kangaroo court, which is a definition, by the way, I never quite understood, a kangaroo court. What can, the only weird tr- semi-trial we've seen lately is the, is the January 6th routine. That was a kangaroo court. What, uh, what did we do that was a kangaroo court-ish, huh? An unofficial court held by a group of people in order to try someone regarded, especially without good evidence, as guilty of a crime or misdemeanor. I know what they're doing. They're trying to um, – They're that's a preview of the defense of Joe Biden. Man, they're circling the wagons for him. They already have. Yesterday I heard uh, Chuck Todd say, boy, it seems really personal against uh, Joe Biden with you guys. No, it's not. We have evidence through the laptop, which is legitimate, that Hunter Biden was giving his father money, and Hunter Biden was getting that money from places like China, Ukraine, and Russia. Senate Republicans verified that the mayor of Moscow's wife, Ludima, Vladima, something like that, gave... Three million dollars to Hunter Biden. Now, why would why wouldn't that happen? It starts to make sense, you know, Joe's approach with the Ukraine. Well, he's got to do something. He's got to do something. Remember that? Like he can't, you know. What? How are we going to stop him? Well, my guess is he will invade. I mean, he's got to do something, huh? Maybe because he knew that the evidence was there. That Hunter got money from a crony of his, and that money went to Joe as well. That's not personal. That's not personal. That's criminal, but it's not personal. I'll be back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I am still, still moved, so moved emotionally by Harry Dunn. The Capitol Hill cop, he's still on active duty. Can you believe that? Harry Dunn was on the Sunday show with George Stephanopoulos yesterday. This is right off his appearance at the White House, along with Fanon and all those other crybabies. Um, still allowing Joe Biden and the Democrats to milk and exploit and lie about January 6th. It is, it's actually comical uh, on one level. On another level, it's deeply scary. This, what we're seeing here... Still, with the January 6th uh, deception, by the way, why why talk about it? Well, January 6th was uh, Friday, and there was another. I actually didn't watch it, but now I, I got a chance to see it over the weekend. Oh, my goodness. The White House got together and acted like they were commemorating the attack on Pearl Harbor and acknowledging the um, the lone survivor of the USS Arizona. It was just... Here's what fascism is, by the way. You, ever, you know, we kind of know intuitively what fascism is. But listen to this. It's a political philosophy or movement or regime that exalts nation above the individual 
and stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. Uh, that's We're getting awfully close, awfully close. And you can't question the state, in ter- according to the left. You certainly can't question these Capitol Hill cops, right, in their uniforms and uh, their... They're harrowing stories about what happened to them on January 6th. Now, possibly, probably the most offensive is uh, my my friends, you people are disgraceful. You have disgraced my friends. Who's that guy? Fanon. He's the worst. But I'll give him this. He quit the Metropolitan Police Department and became a, uh, what is he, a CNN commentator slash he wrote a book. Uh, Me too, by the way. (laughs) Out tomorrow. Um, or out today, uh, quite frankly. And I talk about January 6th. I talk about Ashley Babbitt. You know what? Somebody had to say it in book form. I give my publisher, Simon & Schuster, Threshold Edition, so much credit. You know how difficult it is for corporate America to facilitate the voice of somebody like me who says the founding of Black Lives Matter is essentially corrupt? Um who says this diversity, equity, and inclusion movement is not wholesome, but a threat to all of us. I'm not, Simon & Schuster doesn't endorse my message. They don't, uh, they don't support it. They don't condemn it either. They're just facilitating the marketplace of ideas, and that's supposed to be. But if you turn on the mainstream, you will see certain views are not considered palatable. They just must be, and anybody who tries to tell truth about January 6th. Um, they are silenced, uh, the borderline canceled, they are pushed aside. This is the narrative. This is the narrative that, uh, if we're not careful, I think it's just going to stick. If we're not aggressive, this is going to stick. All right, so here's Harry Dunn, the big, he's the big guy. I, I think you should send a man to, when, when they sent a hitman to Capitol Hill, and I think you want to look into that. He's the one who said that, he was called the N-word on January 6th, which is a lie, by the way. Total and complete lie. More on that in a moment, but here it is. So emotional. He's being interviewed by Pierre Thomas of ABC News. Go ahead. January 6th. Give me some words that come to mind. Horror. Dark. Anger. Betrayal. When the dark moments come, how do they manifest? Do you have flashbacks? I never lost sight of those visions that you had, the, the flashbangs, the smoke, the calls on the radio. Uh, the flashbangs came from the uh, police officers, by the way, who threw them into a crowd of people who weren't doing anything. You know what the words I think of when I think of January 6th are the phrases, the images that come to mind? Horns guy. The great big goofy horns guy. And uh, let's see, cops letting people in. We saw that. Um, we saw police officers not doing anything for some strange reason. This is, I hate to call them police officers actually, because it's a weird quasi political outfit, the Capitol Hill cops. There's something very strange about that whole operation that a guy like Harry Dunn can go around with a gun. He's still on active duty, yelling and screaming about. Republicans he disagrees with. They're supposed to facilitate kind of their work and step back 
It doesn't matter what they're talking about. All right, I think this is where he says, this is where he says he heard the N-word that day. Go ahead. You posted something on Twitter back in September that, you know, stopped me in my tracks. Quote, I've been struggling the last few days. This weekend I had PTSD flare-up. It was scary. I share this with the hope that someone who might read this who has been struggling also will come to realize that even strong people need help. That moment in time hit me so hard. It's because I had made such good progress to heal and be able to deal with these emotions and these feelings. You know, I could walk in and not be phased by seeing uh, uh, somebody in a MAGA hat or a Confederate flag, but it was all just like, out of nowhere, just ripped away from me. And, and it, <laughs> it broke me, you know, it, it broke me. How did you it find- bro- All right, all right, it, bro- it like- broke, it broke him. This is the thing, you know, you've got to, he wants attention. He wants to, I don't know exactly why, but he wants attention. He was at the White House on Friday. He's on ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos on Sunday. He is an active duty cop talking about flashbacks and waking up in the middle of the night. Oh, by the way, when did that become a thing for men to talk about their emotions? Look, I think it's important to talk about your emotions. You don't have to talk about it all the time in public and, and, and whine and cry, but when did that become fashionable? When did that become a big thing? I think it was in the 60s. You know, what was that? The, what do they call it? The anti-hero. The graduate. Dustin Hoffman. I don't know. When did that become a thing? As far as mental health, this is the flimsy excuse they have to make their case, to talk in public. I'm trying to eliminate the stigma of mental health. People suffer. Well, th- th- believe me, we have, we've, <laughs> we've done that already, okay? Everybody talks about everything. I love Howard Stern. He's been he popularized going to therapy. He everybody he talks about it all the time. There's no stigma anymore. This is the same crap from Harry Dunn, from Oprah, from Prince Harry. Um, we don't need this lesson. You know what they never talk about? No, you know what actually? You know what there is a stigma about? Talking about God, talking about Jesus, talking about the Bible. You want to start offending people? You know, you start talking about that as the ultimate. Um, salvation. Ooh, people get very, very touchy. So uh, Harry is uh, cool. How's he doing? What, what, how is he doing? January 6th has been a part of your life. I have those images of you in my mind of being at every single public hearing. Accountability matters to me. I have the same oh. image of him actually going to those silly hearings in a T-shirt in the front row with a great big dopey gold chain he looks like he's a bouncer at some nightclub sitting in the front row during congressional testimony. Don't these guys have a dress code? <laughs> Just And also meeting his new frown celebrity friends. Keep going. And accountability, I think, will bring healing. Healing. Some want to minimize January 6th and act like it is something we should get past. Don't think about it. Minimize it. Stop. Normally. Actually, that's not me. Because they have made it the issue. Uh, I'm happy to talk about it. A lot of Republicans aren't. They, they are skittish. They're self-conscious. They feel like on some level they did something wrong. They didn't. You guys were set up. This was a coup, I do believe, a setup on Trump. Did you see my Twitter feed over the weekend at Greg Kelly USA? Yeah, everybody in government, they were calling each other. Vice President Pence was calling the SecDef. The SecDef was calling the Attorney General. The Attorney General was calling... Uh, the Department of Homeland Security. None of those guys called Trump. Not one. And they were all bitching and moaning that Trump did not call them. They did not call him. 
Uh, all right, let's wrap this up with uh, Harry. See, I would, you know, get angry, and I'm not going to argue with individuals anymore, especially over facts. I'm not going to continue ramming my head. Oh, that's this me, wall. by the way. That's one. I'm Expecting one. That. I'm one of them. He blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> not that I call. I mean, I just he. he uh, yeah, that's kind of. Uh, uh, I wonder if I'm going to make his book. Keep going. Former President Trump has been very vocal. How responsible is he? There were criminal things that the former president has done, and I don't see how you, you could not hold him accountable for that day. Stop. Can you imagine a security guard at the Supreme Court talking about pending decisions in front of the court, right? A, a, a guard armed with a gun weighing in like this partisan. It is so wildly crazy, over-the-top, bizarro land wrong. Yet it's been embraced in the mainstream media. My, you know, we are living in, I think it's like the Matrix. We remember the Matrix. Everything's artificial. Everything's created. Everything's warped and distorted. Is this, has he, has he talked about the N-word yet? I don't, I don't know. Go ahead. The people there were terrorists. Um, if you look up the definition of domestic terrorism, that's what it was. They incited fear. They tried to overturn the will of the American people. There wasn't a fake election. So they were up there based on a lie. Hey, wait a second. I, I'm conv- he, he said he was called the N. Did you hear the part about how he, he can't see a MAGA hat anymore without having convulsions? When do you see a MAGA hat, by the way? And basically, if you put a MAGA hat on, you are you're in trouble physically. You are at risk, especially in a place like Washington D.C., New York City. You can't walk down that street with a MAGA hat on. That's a suicide mission. Uh, one more. I'm still haunted by you being called the N word. A word's a weapon, and on that day, it was used as a weapon. It's a weapon, but yet I still stand. And tall. I stand tall. Um, But I definitely make it a point now every day to walk through the rotunda of the Capitol. You know, our ancestors, they built it. Our black ancestors. Exactly. It's how it came full circle. You know, they built it, and now I'm entrusted to protect it. I look at it, and I just marvel at it. People wanted to topple it. You didn't do a very good job protecting it, number one. Number two, nobody called you the N-word on January 6th. Yeah, no one called Dunn the N-word on January 6th. He lied in front of the entire country. Uh, I, I've seen hours of fo- – don't you think they would have put the N-word thing out there by now? Don't you think? Right? 10,000 security cameras, body cam footage all over the place, everybody running their cell phone cameras – he was outside of Nancy Pelosi's office. That's where he was stationed. That's what I just heard. Um, you know what I did hear outside of Nancy's office? This is, the, this is as bad as it got on January 6th. Oh, Nancy, Nancy, remember? Nobody said the N-word. And <laughs> look, I find the N-word totally repugnant. I don't need to say it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to hear it. But it is fascinating that these guys can be haunted. Pierre Thomas and uh, Harry Dunn can be haunted by the storytelling about the N-word being uttered when it wasn't uttered. They're haunted by that. Yet Barack Obama could go on stage and say the N-word. He did, by the way, at the White House Correspondents' Dinner in, I think, 2012. 
It was cool when he did it. He, he, he said it on podcasts. Of course, you hear it in any song, TikTok video, all over the place, whatever. I don't want to say it. You know, I, I do see these white people sometimes like, I should be able to say the N-word. No. <laughs> no, don't. No. Uh, well, I hear it all the time. I, no. No. I don't want to say I don't want to hear it. I don't. But let's get a little bit real as to the amount of offense it causes or does not cause. I don't know. And it's an offensive thing to say. I just don't think he heard it that day. Where's the evidence, huh? Where is the evidence? It's It's been debunked by me. It's been debunked by me. You're welcome. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Greg Kelly Show. However, uh, I will be appearing on the Mark Levin Show. Such an honor tonight. Um, tonight I'll be on Mark Levin Show, which, of course, is, originates right here at WABC. And uh, total thrill. Uh, Mark, you know, Mark has given us so much in terms of uh, knowledge, wisdom, comfort, companionship, humor. He is probably, uh, obviously, he's the great one. One of, And I'm also going to be on the Hannity Show. Sean Hannity, what an honor. It's uh, the two of these guys. I've never met Mark. I've met Hannity a number of times over the years, but it's been a while. And also uh, the Megan Kelly Show. I'll be on her podcast, uh, taping it in a little bit, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, why all this? Uh, why all this attention for me? Uh, the book, of course, um, Justice for All: How the Left Is Wrong About Law Enforcement. It's finally here, available wherever books are sold. I am ten uh, percent freaked out about it, to be honest. I never, in- I never get interviewed. I interview people, I talk, you know what I mean. But to get a question. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, I think I'll be fine. Right. You think they're going to hit me with any gotcha questions? No, they're, fr- uh, uh, they're friends and supporters and, um, Hey, sooner or later I'll get a gotcha question. I'm doing about 50 interviews, uh, across the country and there, there's going to be a gotcha. I talked to somebody about that, um, who does a lot of books and he's been doing books for years, and uh, he can always tell when they're out to get him. <laughs> he's, he's done it a million times. They think it's an ambush. They think they're surprising him. He's seen it. He's seen it every which way, and uh, they never get him. Me, on the other hand, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, there are some real gems in this book that I'm proud of, and there's some harsh truths. That have to be dealt with. You know, it would have been nice if Barack Obama uh, made good on his uh, promise to be the first post-racial president and to speak to segments of the African-American community. Everybody knew it was a problem, but everybody danced around it, wouldn't talk about it. And then one day in June of 2008, Obama goes to a black church and says, black fathers are MIA, too many of them, missing in action. Black fathers, too many of them are AWOL, absent without leave. Something like between 60 and 75% of black children are born fatherless in America. 
you know, the let's be real perspective. Children are at risk if they don't grow up. And uh, children, it's risky enough as it is, right? Two parents are the best way. And at one point, Obama was prepared to have that conversation. And then he got scared because Jesse Jackson literally threatened to, excuse me, cut his nuts off. He's talking down to black people. Can't have that. I'm going to cut his nuts off. And Obama, from that point on, said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play to the black base that has always been rather suspicious of me, Barack Obama. They've always wondered, am I too white? Am I even black? They've been whispering about that for decades, his entire life. You can read about it in his book, in his books, seven of them about him. The murder of cops in this country of 59% since Black Lives Matter, 59%. 60,000 law enforcement officers were assaulted in 2020. You know how many were insulted the year prior to that? 5,000. One of the major differences we're seeing now when we see racial strife in America and violence, Black Lives Matter, Summer, and beyond. The big difference, because we've always had race riots in America. Watts riots, remember? Before I was born, 1965. The Detroit riots. More recently, the Rodney King riots. Now, the left and the media generally had a great deal of sympathy for um, those waging the violence, but they still condemned the violence. It was understood universally that breaking things, harming people, especially police, that that was all wrong. And police and National Guard put down those um uprisings, sometimes a bit too heavy-handedly, but we all understood as a culture that violence is wrong. Now, violence is either kind of glossed over or celebrated. It's okay because the essence, the root of the um, grievance is so righteous, is so righteous and beautiful. And it's a topic in my book, Do Black Lives Really Matter? Do Black Lives Really Matter? Now, of course they do. Of course. But not according to our culture somehow. If Black Lives Mattered, then David Dorn's name would be right up there with George Floyd. David Dorn, the retired St. Louis police officer who was murdered as he was performing security work outside of a pawn shop in St. Louis. Murdered. You know who didn't forget him, though? Donald Trump. My goodness gracious. He had the Dorn family at the White House, at the White House, celebrating and honoring that man and his sacrifice. All right. It's all in my book and much, much more. (sighs) Thank you very much. It's been an honor. Oh, I'll be back actually in a couple minutes. Why am I signing off like it's the end of my – no, I'll be back shortly. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, just bumped into Sean Hannity of all people. What an American. Great American. Great American indeed. All right, so it's good to be back. Joe Biden went to the border. Did you see that? They brought the mummy down to the border. Looked like Leonoid Brezhnev and uh, would not travel with a congressman, Congressman Gonzalez. He represents El Paso. Would not bring him. Why not? Why? Um, well, they want to keep this as a political issue. They think it works for them. And maybe in this crazy, hideous moment that we're in, maybe it does. Can you imagine that? An open border. Um, 
no security, bad-mouthing and trashing the Border Patrol, somehow this works to Joe Biden's advantage. you telling me the system isn't rigged? They're going to run this guy for re-election. We have a wide-open border. We just lost a war. Crime is out of control. We're on the eve of a massive recession, and Joe Biden has it has it made. Is there something up with that? Uh, hey, I actually wasn't able to take a call in the last hour. Let's do one right now for a warm-up. Pete is in, in uh, Piscataway. Hi, Pete. Hello. Hello? Yes. Hello. You're on the air. Yes. Thank you. I um, When I was watching the vote for the um, Speaker of the House, the news mentioned uh, concessions and demands. And they also mentioned um, term limits, but they didn't elaborate. And every Republican I talked to and myself think there should be term limits. And if this Congress gets through term limits, I think it will be the best Congress ever. So the term limits they were talking about, I believe, were term limits for the chairs of committees, not necessarily for themselves. And I think it would take a constitutional amendment to term limit anybody. It's in the Constitution that the president now is limited to two terms. You just don't vote on that, and presto changeo, it's the the law of the nation. I think they have to have a constitutional amendment, and what they've been talking about is committee chairmanships. They want greater turnover there. Hey, the other thing, and I only really came to this fairly recently, and I'd like to know your opinion, Pete, but hear me out. I don't know if I like term limits. I I know it sounds great for a long time, knee-jerk. I thought, yeah, we need term limits. Get them out of there. But you know who's there without term limits? The swamp. All of those guys, 10, 20, 30 years. The FBI director gets a 10-year term. Gets a 10-year term. We'll have members of Congress, if they do this, uh, House members will be out in eight years most likely. That's what's been talked about, four two-year terms. Uh, I want my elected representatives, I want them there. I want them I want them to be a force to be reckoned with. You know, there are 537 elected members. If you count everybody, the Senate, the House, vice president and president, 537 versus 9.1 million uh, bureaucrats, 7.8 million if you take out the military. Pete, I don't know. Why do you like term limits? Because you wouldn't have Joe Biden there. If there was term limits, you wouldn't have Joe Biden there, McConnell, and all those guys like that. And I think with term limits, they'll do what's best for the people instead of padding all the uh, bills and stuff with their pet peeves and stuff. And they care more about votes than doing what the people needs. Look at the date, the debt. Yeah. Listen, be careful what you wish for. Uh, you know this. I'm no Joe Biden fan. Uh, if, for, uh, if things were left to how they should have been, he would just be in Delaware still. Obama. Obama gave us uh, uh, gave us him. Remember that. Remember that. And he picked him for a reason. And he endorsed him for a reason because he's in charge. Uh, term limits might help. But again, I am almost more fearful of the swamp. The swamp itself, the unelected bureaucrats, than I am of a, somebody like Mitch McConnell. Now, Mitch McConnell, in some weird way, is still answerable to us. And oh, by the way, he was almost beat. Remember a couple of years ago that Amy McGrath? Pete, very good point. Um, all right, so Mr. McCarthy, he's not exactly Mr. MAGA, but he's the man. Do we have some McCarthy from the other night? He's uh, taken the oath. Mr. McCarthy, congratulations. Where's he from anyway? California. 
He does look like kind of a potentially a surfer dude. Let me hear this. That was easy, huh? I never thought we'd get up here. You know, my father always told me, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And now we need to finish strong for the American people. All right. And now, the hard work begins. What we do here today, next week, next month, next year, will set the tone for everything that follows. Tonight, I want to talk directly to the American people. As Speaker of the House, my ultimate responsibility is not to my party, my conference, or even our Congress. My responsibility, our responsibility, is to our country. All right, that's very nice. The part about his dad, I don't buy that, right? I mean, what was his father working for uh, Cracker Jack? I mean, that's right. That's the ultimate cliche. It's not, what is it? It's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. I mean, seriously, wasn't like the less, didn't I hear that first in Tom and Jerry or something like that? That's not, Joe Biden does the same thing. Anyway, we don't want to come down on uh I'm McCarthy. I quite frankly, again, I like the way he survived last week. I like the way he hung in there. And uh, Matt Gates started to get on my nerves just a little bit. Started to get on my nerves. Sandra in New Jersey, welcome back. Hi. Oh, welcome back to you too. I I um, wanted to talk about the speech that he gave. And he just said some of it, but um, I'm I think the way it went was the way it was supposed to go. Kevin McCarthy had a hard time getting it, which is going to be good now because he's going to know that he can't play any games because. You know, everyone's watching him. But um, I like the way he said, I don't give up. And that's a very good trait to have that, you know, you're not going to give up on things. And I, I, I like the part where he talked about um, George Washington. There was a portrait of George Washington crossing the Delaware. And in that boat, he had 13 people, I think. One was Scottish. One was African-American. There was a woman. There's all, there were all sorts of different people on that boat. And um, they were all rowing the same crane together. And that's what this person who made the painting was trying to say, that it's freedom for all and we all should work together. So I love that, that he spoke about that painting. And um, I think that, I, you know, I, at first I wanted um, what? What, Jim Jordan. I, I wanted yeah, I know. Jim you Jordan, wanted Jim Jordan. Now, all right. And? No, but, well, well, but, but I'm glad that he's doing what he wants. His passion is for the committees. McCarthy has a passion to do this. Let him have it, and let's hope for the best. That's hey, how I feel. You know, I'm looking at that painting, by the way, of George Washington crossing the Delaware. Uh, I got to be honest. I don't see any women in this. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I, uh, I also don't see any black people in it, to be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There must be different versions of this painting around. Could, could, could Mr. McCarthy have been laying it on a little bit thick? Did politicians ever do that? Have you ever heard of a politician exaggerating a little bit for effect, Sandra? <laughs> I know. We all, we all have. We all have. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Look, the investigations, I don't think this hurts anybody, by the way. You know, that's going to stop our momentum, all that stuff. The investigations, we got Jim Jordan. We got these guys. These are Turks. They're strong. They're ready. And they're going to go after the weaponization of the federal government. 
federal government has been weaponized against we the people. And these bureaucrats need to be sent a message and taught a lesson. You guys work for us, not the other way around. All right, Sandra, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking at this painting. George Washington is, uh, I. there's no way that's a woman in front of him. I mean, I look for a second, maybe. No, that's not a woman. Oh, wait a second. That does look like it could be a black person. That's fine. I still don't see a woman in this thing. I don't know. And by the way, didn't we learn a long time ago? Well, I guess it has to be reemphasized because America is kind of going off the train tracks. Basic American values have to be reemphasized. Freedom, liberty, freedom of speech. Hmm? They used to be a given. It used to be a starting off point. Now it's radical. It's radical. Hey, going back to, uh, oh gosh, are you guys watching this? Uh, you better not buy his book, quite frankly. I don't want to come out against anybody's book except Prince Harry's. Prince Harry, who the hell does he think he is? My God, some sort of a prince? Well, he's not even a prince anymore. Very bad form in the book. Well, I'll, I'll give him this. He made a lot of news in the book. Well, dopey news, gossiping about his brother. His brother pushed him down a flight of steps in 2006. Um, so what? There's strife in every family. But it's the royal family, and they knew there'd be an audience, I guess. Do you really want to read about this stuff? He should have had the maturity to let it go. You don't do this to your family. And oh, by the way, you don't talk about all the guys you killed in war. You know who did that? You know who does that? The only person I've ever heard do that is Rambo. Sylvester Stallone is Rambo. Talked about all the people he killed. I think he did. And there was somebody else. Actually, Sylvester Stallone in a great movie called Nighthawks. They're like, you have 25 confirmed kills in combat. We need you for this kind of thing. Um, and it's just not done. You don't, you don't talk about it. Told you my father was in Vietnam and, uh, we, yeah, we, we never, ever, ever would I ask him about that question. Now, Howard Stern did, and he did it without, he did it, we did it in a charming way, actually. What a disgrace that guy is. So his book is in the bookshelf, is, is in the bookstores right alongside my book. And, um, my book can move the needle. My book can help people. My book, arguably, if it were taken and internalized and it affected the debate that's happening nationally, I do believe that my book could save lives. My book could save lives of young black children. Absolutely. Barack Obama may have turned his back on those kids. I haven't. I will not. You know, for a long time, it was very awkward. And this is one of my lessons in the book for you. Don't shy away about talking about race, no matter what you look like. Right now, in America, who's dictating the terms of the race conversation? The far left. Mostly white people on the far left, oh, by the way, but the far left. And they've made it so intricate. They've made the language so specialized. And if you don't use their language, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Well, you got to get more comfortable talking about it because... If this is the issue, if this is it, we have to have an honest conversation about things, not a phony one, not a hideously biased one that, oh, by the way, as soon as they start, it shuts up half the people out there. Most people don't want to talk about religion and politics, right? It's one of those things you kind of avoid. You got to get better at talking about race. 
And also, do not be intimidated. This is a book basically in support of law enforcement. We love law enforcement. We hate when they're pulverized in public in peaceful protests. Big difference between now and, yeah, the media, the academia, uh, Democrats, they all understood that riots were bad. Now riots are celebrated or ignored and euphemized with the uh, uh, peaceful protests, right? But don't be intimidated by anybody in uniform. You have to respect them, but don't be intimidated by them. They work for us. They work for us. And what's happening right now with these January 6th cops, this is an attempt at fascism, an attempt at authoritarianism. These cops, they're so righteous. How can you question them when they were fighting for democracy? How dare you question them? See how that works? You can't question authority. Maybe in some other country, but this is still America, ma'am. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay. Hey, so I was on the uh, the Megyn Kelly podcast today, the Megyn Kelly show. She's got a big, big, one of the top podcasts in the world, actually, video podcast. She's a very, very talented broadcaster, very, very thoughtful. I know that some MAGA people out there give her a hard time. I don't think you, um, I, I think you should uh, reconsider. Actually, one of the best moments, I think, in television history, and it was great for Megyn and it was great for Donald Trump, when she asked him about, you know, you've called women dogs, disgusting animals, pigs. <laughs> it was a great question. He said that stuff, and it's fair game, and she delivered it well. I thought she managed the energy of that debate extremely well. There's a lot to it. It's not just sitting down and reading a bunch of questions. And, of course, Trump said, only Rosie O'Donnell. It was great for both of them. And, uh, man, man, talk about neutralizing you take the biggest issue in the world and you neutralize it you kill it the big the, the one issue that could submarine a campaign hey no wonder why donald trump um has a hard time taking advice okay i don't blame him a bit because he's gotten some really bad advice over the years you know everybody there are people telling him that he should quit the campaign right after his first first speech quit you can't go on you're finished Oh, you called John McCain. You said John McCain's not a war hero. You're done. You got to quit. How about when Access Hollywood came out? Remember that? Which, oh, by the way, Donald Trump was boasting about sexually assaulting women. No, he was not, actually. He wasn't. He wasn't. People look at me, they're crazy. Okay, Greg, you had me up until now. What are you talking about? Well, listen to the tape. What does he say? He said, when you're a star, they let you do anything. You can grab them by the... They Did you, did you hear it? I, that's a verbatim quote. They let, 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 L-E-T, allow, consent. The whole world missed it. The whole world missed it. Just like this, the whole world missed that on January 6, 2021, Donald Trump was watching TV as the Capitol was being ransacked and did nothing. He was watching TV. He watched it all on television. Number one, they actually never proved that he was watching television. They never proved that he was actually watching television. And even if he was... The next question is, well, what the hell was on television? And as I mentioned, it's a bunch of people walking in a park. I know that Jake Tapper was losing his mind, wetting his pants, 
saying that democracy is under siege and this is a coup and all that stuff. But at that point, from what we could tell, from what we could see, it was people walking in a park, people walking in a... I actually was, it was a big, it was a profound moment for me. Nicole Wallace, you know who she is on MSNBC, was yelling with such contempt. Look at these people, these dregs of humanity. Like, where do you get, what are you, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And what she was seeing, what she expected better from, I think, I think there's a racial component to it, quite frankly. I think there's a racial component. And by the way, racism is awful, no matter who it's directed, no matter what group it's directed at. Including white people. Including white people. And yes, it can happen to white people. And it's happening. Gosh. Supposed to be individuals, right? Hey, you know what's really disgusting, and I pointed out in my book? This whole... uh, If I had a son, uh, he'd look like Trayvon. Remember that stuff? As if, okay, you're black and Trayvon's black, therefore you look alike. Remember how I told you the left is always kind of saying, like, this is what you can say about race. This is what you can't say about race. Well, they're always changing the rules because about eight seconds ago, it was racist to say people of the same race looked alike, right? Even though sometimes they do, but you can't say that. But even now, most of the times they don't, but now you can say it. Crazy, right? It is crazy. It is insane. And you don't have to sign up for it. You can push back. And one way to do it. The Greg Kelly book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available right now. And if you want me to read it to you, I can and do on audio. Many thanks. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, so far it's working. Uh, I have a little system. Instead of indulging myself whenever I want something, like uh, I just felt like having Fritos. And there was a great, big, beautiful bag of Fritos. Don't you love Fritos? Uh, And instead of eating them, coming to my trusty, handy, trusty notebook, and I'll write down Fritos. And that means on April 30th, I will eat Fritos. I'm putting it all off till April 30th. That's uh, I should be down to my fighting weight by then, and I can indulge in Fritos. Also on my list is black jelly beans so anytime i see something that i really want i'm going to go ahead and write it down instead does that sound like a uh does that sound like a viable plan does that sound mature of course not but um (laughs) that's the situation i'm in um hey by the way the uh the rules that were changed to accommodate matt gates and lauren bobert they're really not that um unreasonable not at all. And <laughs> the fake news being the fake news, most of the rule changes are just going back to the pre-Pelosi era. I saw a congressman yesterday. He was really good. He said Pelosi ran that place like a prison camp. Part of the reason she could do that is lots of money. She has pers- the personal wealth is a big, big, big deal. It's all about fundraising. You know, amateurs, uh, you know, we talk about issues. Uh, the pros, they talk about money. It's only about money. And I think Hakeem Jeffries might be in for a challenge or two because he's not doesn't have the deep pockets, but um, yeah, he'll uh, they'll take care of him. Um, but the dysfunction that permeated Congress 
a good chunk of it was from the, the Nancy Pelosi way of doing business. And by the way, having people testify, having the FBI testify, not in front of a, not in front of the committee chairman, but from the safety, you know, verbally, the safety of uh, FBI headquarters. You need to come down and get yelled at. Um, those one thousand page omnibus bills, omnibus, very ominous. These omnibus bills, we got to get a look at them. We can't just look at them for fifteen minutes. Okay, you got seventy two hours. Oh, the government could shut down in the meantime. Okay, shut it down. Go ahead and shut it down. I'm okay with that. I am totally, totally, totally okay with that. Norman in Brooklyn, hello. Hi, Greg. Uh, Greg, I yeah, I was just commenting about uh, thinking about what you were saying about uh, the uh, on January 6th. Hey, hold on a second. Is this Norman, the personal trainer, Norman? Yes, it is. Greg. Oh, hey, welcome back. How are you? You were there on January uh, 6th. Yes, I. Uh, well, I was. He- I was in New York on January sixth of this year. Yeah, I was here. Well, no, January sixth, six. You know, twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, yes, uh, I was at the rally on January sixth, um, two years ago, I guess it is. Yeah. And um, I just, I didn't see any uh, Confederate flags. There's this thing about this guy saying that that, that people were flying Confederate flags. Uh, I saw American flags. I saw some Vietnam veterans with uh, Republic of Vietnam flags. Um, I uh, I saw I saw those yellow. Uh, I, I think I just said Gatson flags. Those don't tread on me flags. But there was no Confederate flags. Uh, this is uh, this is a fabrication. Uh, I believe you are correct, sir. I, I was not there. Hey, by the way, did you go in the Capitol? No, I did not go in the Capitol. All right, good. Has the FBI hassled you? Have you had to, uh, has anybody, you know, come knocking on your door saying, oh, are you protesting? Not not yet, but, uh, you know, I mean, the way it looked, the the way our country is going, uh, eventually uh, they'll be knocking on your door too, Greg. What the hell did I do? I wasn't there. Yeah, but you thought about it. (laughs) That's true. Thought crimes, thought crimes. And, Greg, you were questioning the election results, and therefore somebody could have taken that and, and, and protested, and, oh, somebody stubbed their toe. The only person who was uh, injured, killed, I mean, the person who was affected more than anybody, Ashley Babbitt. We'll, we'll be talking to her uh, husband tonight, Aaron Babbitt. All right, sorry, what else, man? It was it was one of the, in my opinion, look, I, I've gone to rallies for God for now for more than two years, and it was one of the most peaceful rallies I had ever seen. Um, I ate. Uh, there was a family behind me from Texas, and they were giving me cookies. Well, wait a second. Uh, I mean, where were the, you? Where were you? Were you at the ellipse where Trump was speaking? Were you at the Capitol? Where were you? Near. The, I, I was right by the Washington Monument. All right. Well, that there was a far. The, that was a long way away from the Capitol. I mean, let's face it. There was some pushing and shoving at the Capitol. We saw that. Yeah, I mean there was a, there was about a million people between me and the Capitol. I mean, if I if I if I could have, I would have. But uh, there was, uh, yeah, it was it was a wall of people. Uh, I got out. There was a hundred. It was fifty five people on the bus I was on, and uh, they, they we couldn't park anywhere, so they just let us off. Uh, they just let let the group off, yeah. and uh, we we stayed for maybe an hour. That was it, and then uh, get back on the bus. Wait a second. Why you came all the way down from New York on a bus, got a bus and everything, and you stayed for an hour? It 
about an hour, hour and a half. It was a, it was a the bus was called Stop the Steal Bus. There was I actually found out about it through WABC. I one of the on air personalities. And uh, oh, I think Kara uh, Castronova might have been mentioning something about that. Yeah, now everybody's all nervous about it. Everybody's all nervous. Oh my gosh, if you question the election, you know, let me get this straight. Everybody who tried to cancel Trump, big tech, the media, Democrats, our culture, a damn good chunk of the Republican Party, they cheated, they lied, they stealed every step of the way to stop Trump, except on Election Day 2020. I don't buy it. I do not believe it that those institutions, all poised against Trump, suddenly, suddenly were totally neutral. No way. No way. Hey, Norman, great points as usual. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. You ready? You ready for some truth in the Justice for All book? So we have all heard the left talk about the rows of black corpses that the police are constantly leaving on the streets of America. But we don't really hear too much about the what the real numbers are. Let's get down to brass tacks. Nobody keeps detailed statistics, but to its credit, the Washington Post assembled a database on police shootings that people on both sides agree is roughly accurate. They found that in an average year, police shoot and kill 1,000 people, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. That's 1,000 for the whole year or fewer than three per day. That doesn't sound too fantastic, to be frank. However, that number includes people who are armed and dangerous, shooting at the people or attacking members of the public. People who brandish knives or use a car as a weapon. When you get down to the number of unarmed people who are killed by police, the pool is winnowed down substantially. According to the Post, 7,330 people were shot and killed by the police between 2015 and the first few months of 2022. Of these, 58% had a gun. There were 445 unarmed people shot and killed by cops in those seven years, about 30% of whom were black. Do you see where we are headed? The number of unarmed black people who are shot and killed by the police every year is in the low two digits and is substantially less than the number of white people killed in similar circumstances. Yes, of course, there are more white people in America, and the rate of black people killed by police is higher than the rate for white people. But the fact of crime and criminality in America is that it's highly concentrated in black neighborhoods. So black people wind up having more police interactions than white people do. Roland Fryer Jr. is considered one of the top economists in the country. He became a Harvard tenured professor at 30. He also got a MacArthur grant. The guy is amazing. Fryer turned his prodigious brain power to the question of police shootings in order to determine exactly how badly blacks fared in confrontations with law enforcement. His findings rocked academia and the charitable foundation world. Police did have a higher rate of use of non-lethal force when arresting black suspects, but when it came to the shootings, he found no racial differences in either the raw data or when contextual factors are taken into account. It's no real surprise why this is the case. Can you name any white person who was killed by the police in the last five or ten years? Probably not. 
but I bet you could rattle off half a dozen names of blacks who were killed, even though there are many more whites killed by law enforcement. But cops killing white people does not gain any traction in the media because it does not promote or contribute to the anti-police narrative. Black lives only matter when a black life is taken by a white cop. That way, they can promote their agenda of seizing more power and influence. Justine Diamond, a white woman, was shot and killed by a Minneapolis police officer who happened to be black after she called the police in July of 2017 because she thought she heard a woman in distress. She was sitting in her car when Officer Mahmoud Noor shot her apparently for no reason. He was tried and went to jail for a few years. No riots broke out, nor did Minneapolis burn. But when a police officer kills a black person, there is a solid chance that their life and career will be thrust into the national spotlight. They will be accused of racial hatred, and they may even face criminal charges. As a result, cops are much more careful about shooting black suspects, perhaps to the detriment of their own safety. Killing of cops soared in 2021, reaching a historic high of 72 officers murdered on the job. It's perhaps worth noting that black offenders tend to be responsible in about one-third of these cases. Blacks, that is to say, kill cops at about the same rate of disproportionality to their numbers as they are killed by them. An intriguing poll was conducted asking people to identify their political leading and then to estimate how many unarmed black men were murdered by the police in 2019. Half of the very liberal respondents believed 1,000 or more unarmed black men were killed by the cops in that one year. About 25% believed the number to be 10,000 or more. We have a major problem here because a large segment of the electorate has been fed a pack of lies about police violence that does not reflect reality. If our country is to ever come to its senses, we need to overcome the less reliance on a cheap narrative of race and blood guilt that simply does not add up. There, by Greg Kelly, January 2023. Justice for all, how the left is wrong about law enforcement. Available everywhere. Barbara is in Huntington. Welcome back, Barbara. Hi, Greg. Yes, your book will be delivered to my doorway as soon as it's available. I ordered it a long time ago. I'm looking forward to it. So nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's going on? Well, you were talking about remembering and returning to our first freedoms, our basic freedoms. And you were talking about the administrative state. And that ties those two things tie into what's going on. A week from today is National Religious Freedom Day. Most people have no idea it exists. But it is National Religious Freedom Day, and President Biden will issue the same proclamation that every president issues since 1993. And in his own words, he will affirm religious freedom. He will affirm it as a right and as an obligation for us to follow religious freedom. Well, terrific, I guess. I mean, I don't know about that date seems like we have a lot of national dates for this, that, and the other thing. Just because Biden puts it in a statement, I mean, do you think that's good enough? I mean, doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, doesn't really feel significant to me. It's hypocrisy. It will be a an out-and-out out falsehood, everything he says. But because it's the politically correct thing to do, he will 
do it, and when possible, he will try to hide behind it as he does everything he can to destroy the rights of conscience in this country. At, for example, the right to believe that life begins at conception and that life is precious. He will destroy everything like that he can, but watch it. The um, statement will come out. Um, he did it last year. He will do it every year. And the reason January 16th is important is because that's the anniversary of Thomas, of Thomas Jefferson's Statute for Religious Freedom when it was passed by the Virginia legislature. And that is the basis for our First Amendment religious freedom. Mm. So that's why January 16th is important. But then when I look at the administrative state and the attacks on religious freedom that come not from Congress, many of them, but they come from the administrative state with regulations such as the first health and human service mandate that mandated that every employer with more than 50 employees must provide abortion-inducing drugs, Mm -hmm. etc., to their employees. So that's the administrative state. That was never debated by our elected representatives. It was simply signed into law by Obama's Secretary of uh, Health and Human Services. It's hideous. It needs to stop. Fortunately, we have some mechanism now at the Congress, but let's face it, it should have been much more than that. Uh, Barbara, you should be a professor. You're amazing, and thank you for the book situation very, very much. Um, a couple of other people have been on hold, but thank you to be continued. Uh, Joseph in Fairfield, Connecticut. Hello, Mr. Kelly. Uh, yes, I'd like to uh, give proper credit uh, to the uh, that organization with, with the initials BLM. Uh, it should be translated, and it's important that we don't translate it the way they want it because of the three Marxists that started it. We should translate that initialism as be like Marx. I like it. Be like Marx. Be like Marx. That's very good. I never heard that one before. Be like Marx. Very good. Sonny in Rockland County. Sonny, how are you? Yeah, how you doing, Greg? Uh, I just want to mention that uh, a moment ago you mentioned about the race riots, and I just want to add to it that in 1971, when I joined the Air Force, there was numerous race riots all over the United States, and you never really hear about it anymore. And to add to that, they made it mandatory for us airmen at the time to go to mandatory classes to understand about ways and mean, you know, about blackism and, and, the, and the black slang. And they actually gave us a test at the, at the end of the class. I, I found it like moronic. I mean, I, I had many, many friends. In fact, one of my friends at the time, they were black and we all got along. Mm. I, I, I find that a little bit too much. So they know? were doing, they were doing the woke stuff in the air force back in 1971, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you'd be surprised the stuff they cram in there. I had my own dose of uh, woke, political, correct, weird stuff seminars that I had to sit through, and I was in in the 90s. I was like, what the hell is this? Then again, Clinton was president. Some of it was actually pretty good training. Some of it was actually cutting-edge stuff, especially when it came to sexual awareness, sexual sexual harassment. We, We got a lot of that. It was actually... Believe it or not, it was pretty. It was pretty good. All right, I gotta get ready. Oh, uh, I, I, my heart breaks when the people are on the on hold for so long. Christine in Middletown. Hi. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I, I was surprised. I went down with some friends for the Sean Hannity taping Friday, and the amount of restaurants that were closed at eleven thirty p.m. in Midtown on Friday is staggering. This goes back to these uh, uh progressive or 
uh, totalitarian lockdowns? When's this going to stop? Hey, you can go see Hannity. You can go get tickets to the Hannity show. Got a friend who runs Take Back Connecticut. Got the link from Amy Stefanowski. I, I mean, every he time I see it. that show, I don't see a studio audience. Is a studio audience in there? He, he had it on Friday for the first time in a couple of years. He's oh. going to do it. Periodically. Good, Peri- good. Periodically. All right, nice. It's always good to have people come in. I was on the, uh, I was on the uh, the radio show today, the Hannity show. Hey, Christine, thank you. Yeah, the restaurants, gosh, small businesses. We had just about damn near ruined so many of them. Although one of my favorite Thai stores I noticed is still open. They had to close one location. Sego, S E I G O. They got a Thai shop on uh, Madison Avenue. I'm glad that they're still out there. I uh, used to have a lot, but who the hell wears ties anymore? You know, who the hell wears ties? Uh, Phil in Riverhead, Long Island. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, Greg? Good. Uh, l- little or no mention of the uh, Brunson Adam case that was uh, uh, going to be debated on January sixth about uh, whether to continue with the case, and that was uh, uh, the uh, Brunson brothers had made a lawsuit against the uh, White House. And that there was sufficient evidence that there was voter fraud, and Where? it became a, a matter of national security. Where? Uh, in uh, on the Supreme Court. I know, but where? Where was the voter fraud according to this? Uh... Well, just because of the uh, the the stuff that went on in uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania, there was enough. Is this Brunson versus uh, Adams. What's it called again? Brunson. Uh, versus Adams, and they and it, it made it made the uh, docket uh, to be be heard uh, on January sixth, and that was kind of ironic because they you would have thought that there would been a little. Yeah, I just looked this up. Okay, in a little known case that appeared recently on the court docket, the case Bronson versus Adams, not even reported in the mainstream media, was filed pro se by ordinary American citizens, four brothers from Utah, seeking the removal of President Biden. And Vice President Harris, along with 291 representatives and 94 U.S. senators, who voted to certify the electors of the Electoral College on January 6th without first investigating serious allegations of election fraud in a half dozen states and foreign election interference and breach of national security. Wow, it seems astounding that the court would wade into such waters two years to the day that the congressional vote. This is good stuff, uh, Bill. Thank you. I'll see you tonight on Newsmax.